0: You are listening to the She Leads Me Podcast, episode number 48 with Angela Dunleavy-Stowell, CEO of FairStart you're listening to the She Leads Me podcast where women come together for powerful conversations around life and leadership. Each episode will bring you conversations with incredible female business owners and leaders, tools for you on your personal and professional journey, needed conversation and education to equip you with the tools to forge your path in today's world. I am your host, Heather Simpson. My mission is to educate and empower women who are seeking a different type of conversation, taking them to the next level in their journey and career. Welcome to She Today's guest is Angela Dunleavy-Stell, Stowell, is the CEO at Fair Start, which is a James Beard award-winning nonprofit organization that transforms lives, disrupts poverty, and nourishes communities through food, life skills, and job training. Fair Start teaches life skills and provides hands-on training to students through its social enterprise cafes, restaurants, and catering operations, and provides over 900,000 meals to the greater Seattle community each year. Since 1992, Fair Start has offered life-changing human services to more than 10,000 adults and youth while serving over 10.7 million meals to Seattle-area schools, homeless shelters, and healthcare facilities. Prior to her role at Fair Start, Angela was the co-founder and CEO of Ethan Stowell Restaurants, which is a Seattle-based hospitality group. Angela is on the board of directors for United Way of King County, the Seattle King County Workforce Development Council, and the Downtown Seattle Association. I had a really incredible conversation with her today about how they're taking the mission of Fair Start and not allowing COVID to put a damper on that mission, but actually amplifying their efforts through new ways of operating as a nonprofit despite the hindrances that COVID has in the world on everybody right now, and especially them as an organization and what they're looking to do. I look forward to introducing you today to Angela and Stowell. Hello, Angela. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Leads Me podcast. How are you today? I am so well. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. You have such a packed life with being the CEO of this amazing company called Fair Start, which is providing a lot of resources, especially during the time of COVID. So before Mm -hmm. we go there, why don't you introduce to our audience a bit about who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, so my name is Angela Dunley V. Stoll. I, um, as you mentioned, i am the CEO of Fair Start, and we're an organization um, based out of Seattle, Washington. Um, we've been around for about 30 years. I've been in my role um, as CEO for almost two years. Uh, and we work with um, individuals, um, uh, youth and adults, who have um, really deep barriers to employment, things like recent incarceration, addiction, uh, mental health issues, homelessness. And we uh, work with those folks to work in the food and beverage industry, uh, restaurants, grocery stores, um, corporate dining uh, facilities. Um, so I, prior to that, had a lengthy um, 15 year you know, career, professional career in food and beverage. Um, I've been in food and beverage pretty much my entire life, um, getting myself through college and, and then went on to found my own company and then Made my way to the nonprofit sector, um, which is sort of a really—it's a wonderful coming around for me um, to be able to give back to the community in a different way and something that I'm really passionate about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, talk to us a bit more about the mission of Fair Start now that we have a worldwide pandemic. What I mean, there's so many different uh, barriers to overcome with what you guys are doing. Um, how have you kind of shifted the focus and, and, um, you know, just as a leader, like that, Mm -hmm. like what a thing to go through in your position Mm -hmm. with the very specific things that you guys provide. So we could talk to us a little bit about kind of how that journey has been and what your guys' mission and focus is right now. Has that changed?
1: yeah i mean i think you know really just at the at the core of it our mission is to transform lives and disrupt poverty um, while nourishing communities and we do that through food and job training and the job training part is really important because right now um, particularly it's heartbreaking to see how gutted the the restaurant industry has become Um, we have unfortunately during this pandemic had to put our um, job training on hold. But one of the great things about how we do our job training pre COVID um, was that we had it's really important to do applied learning. And, and um, for a lot of the folks that we work with, and I think just people in general, you just really need that hands on um, journey in your learning. And so uh, we at Fair Start for a long time have been providing meals to the community, some meals to, sh- um, to shelters and to um, childcare centers. Uh, in addition to training folks through our catering business and our restaurant cafes, uh, so when the COVID pandemic hit, we already had a really um, easy opportunity and seamless transition just to really go all in on our community meals, um, which we, which at the time in in March felt like emergency meals, like this right away crisis. And I think what's been really um, sobering about this pandemic is that we aren't in acute emergency mode anymore, like you would post hurricane or an earthquake. It's just kind of a slow ongoing need. And so we've transitioned our entire business away from um, training momentarily, though, we can talk about that later as we think about getting back to virtual training. Um, But we really pivoted all the way into what does our community need for us and how do we Lift up that mission that we are going to make sure that we disrupt poverty as much as we can, that we nourish communities in the best way that we can. So, we are um, uh, serving meals to um, low income families who rely on uh, schools for lunch. Uh, We know that those families need probably a third meal, so we're providing um, a supplemental dinner to those families. We're serving homeless shelters, um, adult centers, permanent supportive housing sites, uh, quarantine sites with um, uh, King County where we are. And then we're also supporting our national network, uh, the Fair Start National Network and helping other nonprofits around the country um, pivot and do the same through consulting and some regranting for their meals. So it's been really incredible. Um, our work locally, Fair Start has produced about a million meals so far since March. Um, nationally, our network has, provi- has provided um, over 8 million meals around the country. So it's been really um, impactful, and the need is just unfortunately continuing to grow. So we'll yeah. continue to do what we
0: do. Yeah. So on. What I have also am finding with this pandemic is the layered needs that come up. Right, Mm -hmm. I might show up in one way for someone, and then we uncover a whole set of needs for those people Mm -hmm. with this crisis of people being isolated. Um, What's the pulse that you're having? You know, you're out there, you're like in it, on the front lines, really, Mm -hmm. and you're seeing so many other impacts. A big conversation that I feel like needs to be talked about more is also like the the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of how people right. are doing. What are you seeing out there as you guys are out in the field serving all of these all of these people in need?
1: Well, I think that you really hit it with the the conversation, and I think the light that this is shedding on mental health for for folks who who uh, maybe typically haven't had a history of mental health. Um, issues. We're all dealing with this in our own ways, and um, I think that one one silver lining of the COVID crisis is we are normalizing the need to take care of our mental health. We're normalizing the need to take care of our whole bodies, our whole people, Um, and I think that that's something that has been missing in our healthcare system, our um, social service system, our mental health system for a really long time. So what we've seen on the front lines is just the impact that fresh nourishing food has on trauma and mental health. And I'll give you an example. We are serving um, meals to a permanent supportive housing um, organization. And these are folks, a lot of seniors, um, but a lot of folks who have either very deep mental health issues or um, recovery addiction issues, and have been homeless for a very long time. And if they were not in permanent supportive housing, they would still be homeless. And these are people who tend to have a lot of um, behavioral issues at times. And uh, from talking to the organization that we're serving, what we're hearing is that the improvements in the behavioral health, um, the improvements to their recovery um, and addiction has um, just been so pronounced and it's, in part because one, they don't have to go out looking for food, they know where their food is coming from. And then also they have an opportunity to bond more with the people who are working at the front desk. And they're staying away from some of those bad, you know, influences that they might meet up on the street. So I think that, that there's a message in that for all of us when we think about just if you look at, at taking care of your whole body, we, you know, oftentimes we'll go into the doctor because we have a very specific thing wrong. Um, But as we look at this, we're really looking from the inside out. And so for Fair Start, um, it's food that is serving that nourishment and having huge impacts, again, particularly with with people who don't know where they're going to get their next meal. I mean, I'm a mother myself, and I think of how much stress that would be to not know how I was going to feed my children. And so for Fair Start to be able to provide that even for those families, I, I
0: would hope and imagine that it's a huge sense of emotional relief those parents. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible to, to yeah, realize that the impact of what you are doing is touching on a couple of different things Mm -hmm. just by Mm -hmm. providing and like sticking to that mission of like providing what you guys are doing. It's so easy to also get distracted by needs that going down to the core of who you guys are and what your mission is, is still accomplishing, like Mm -hmm. checking other boxes of making sure that people are being well taken care of during this time and what meals provide people in addition to just like the body nourishment but then also the other aspects of it which is really and I think
1: so the last thing that I guess I would say on that that for me has been really impactful too is when we think about what's happening with kids and going to school and this is you know this is not an isolated uh, um, situation for just the northwest where we are I mean this is nationwide and if you think Mm -hmm. about the stress that these youth have and these kids have of trying to figure out how to learn at home, mm-hmm. um, like making sure that they are well fed, well nourished. Like I know that my children, it makes a huge difference for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so thinking about that, but even from the schooling perspective, is mm-hmm. is kind of, it's it's really um,
0: meaningful for me too. To think. And now a special message from She Leads Me. If you're like the clients that I work with, then 2020 has had a big impact on your business. Some of my clients have had to shift most of, if not all, of their entire model just to make some money, while others have had huge business growth with the increased demand of their service or product. And these changes have left them all feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. If you're a business owner, your head might be spinning just like theirs is right now, and this is where I come in to help. We are proud to announce our popular Business Mastery Workshop is back, and now it's online. We've taken our 14 years of experience helping others build wildly successful businesses and broken down the core fundamental principles – and put them into a workshop for you to feel excitement and control of your business. We've intentionally curated this event with high-quality content so that you walk away with the tools needed to make decisions in the changing landscape of business and feel empowered to finish 2020 strong and head into 2021 with Momentum. So come spend time with me, Heather Simpson, your business strategy guru and other female business owners from around the world where we will all learn together and make new connections. Head on over to sheleadsme.com for more information and to register for your spot. Limited space is available and we look forward to seeing you there. So I'd, I'd love to go back a little bit to the when you really were starting to feel called to a different line of work. You had mm-hmm. devoted so much of your life to building your own business. Mm-hmm. And what, what was it that was like tugging at your heart to go into the nonprofit sector? That's not just something that people fall into, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say. It was a lot of times in the conversations that I have with people yeah. in nonprofits, it's a heart driven, like intentional choice to make that transition. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that process was for you? It's a great question. Um,
1: It's uh, something that took um, you know, it is a concerted choice, as as you mentioned. I think for me, it goes back um, uh, to you know where I was raised, how I sort of moved through my early adulthood, and I grew up in a small town in eastern Oregon, where you know a lot of well-meaning folks, um, including my parents, of course, but not a huge emphasis on education. Um, It's so funny, uh, particularly for the other women who are listening to this, my sophomore um, health project was to plan my wedding. So if that just gives you a (laughs) sense of like the town I grew up in was like, you know, like there was a very set, like you graduate from high school, maybe you go to community college maybe not you get married by the time like 21 everyone's married right Mm -hmm. and it didn't quite turn out that way but for me uh for a lot of for a lot of people that i went to school with but for me i really wanted out of that scenario that wasn't a lifestyle that i was interested in in having and um no one in my family had gone to college and so it was really on me to kind of navigate my way through and Mm -hmm. i did that through working in restaurants Mm -hmm. so I got my first you know, food service job when I was barely 16 and did that all the way through college. And it took me a long time to get through college. Um, you know, it wasn't the typical four-year. It took me seven years to get my undergrad because I was just piecemealing it and doing it myself. Mm-hmm. And the restaurant industry was always there. Um, and then I ended up um, co-founding this amazing restaurant group, Ethan still Restaurants, with my ex-husband. Uh, We grew from one restaurant um, on the corner, you know, this corner of downtown Seattle uh, to 16 restaurants, and it was an amazing journey. Um, And, you know, we went through all of the hard things that you go through, uh, you know, including the recession and just, I mean, really what felt like such turbulent times and now that we're in this COVID pandemic seems Sometimes I think like, wasn't the, two, wasn't, the, wasn't the recession cute compared to what we're dealing with now? But it was really an opportunity um, after the recession to look at how we were giving back to the community because really at the time, the community is what kept us going. I think a lot in the same way that the community is keeping the restaurant industry going now. And so I got really involved from my role there um, as co-founder and CEO um, t- into a, a community role. And so I, I started joining boards, I started Really st- looking at how, rather than building a huge marketing budget, we could have a, a greater philanthropy budget. And so I had some experience in the nonprofit space um, as a board member, as campaign chair, um, raising a fair amount of money. And then also from this restaurant perspective, where I understood the operation side. And so um, really, I wasn't—I um, was making some life changes um, in my personal life, um, but wasn't in a huge rush to be looking for my next. Um, thing. And then the Fair Start um, CEO position came open after 17 years, um, the previous. CEO, yeah. So it was really fortuitous timing. And it just seemed like the perfect job for me based on where I um, had just come, you know, with the restaurant experience, the nonprofit experience. But then this real whole life, you know, circle back in uh, 180 degrees and being able to now help people get a start in a restaurant industry that really changed my life, um, mm-hmm. that got me out of that small town, that got me through college and got me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, and, and I think that the thing that people don't think of for nonprofit that is really important is it's it's 100% a business with a different tax code, right? And right. so I think that there it, more people from the business sector going into the nonprofit sector would be really healthy.
0: Yeah. Talk to us about the CEO transition. So you mentioned there's like this longstanding CEO. Mm -hmm. You come in Mm to take over for that position. How was that process like for you? I I have experienced myself and working with other women know that definitely some like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm coming into like this longstanding company also coming into a position that has like, been done a specific way for this period of time Mm -hmm. how do i find my way how do i find my path Mm -hmm. i'm really qualified to be here and a whole onset of uh other maybe questions or maybe some Mm -hmm. doubt every now and then can kind of seep in did that did you ever experience that in your journey of stepping into that role oh for sure well and by the way like i think we all no matter what
1: role i've talked to You know, women and, and, you know, you know, I've talked to all sorts of different leaders who have imposter syndrome, no matter where they are in their careers. Right. And so I think that we all deal with that in some ways, Um, but for me, what I wanted to really do was respect the core of the organization. So really respecting the values and the mission and um, and also knowing that it was time for that next chapter, and I will say the previous CEO was just a godsend to me, and she really um, helped um, me transition into that role. And partly she said, "I'm always available. You can always call me, but I'm going to stay out of your way, um, and you know, step, step, step fully aside, so you can you can make it yours." That's and a she, mentor. She's... yeah, yeah, and she, <laughs> you know, the one thing she said to me. Um, you know, you hear the thing that people say is like, Oh, you have really big shoes to fill. And I just so am so grateful for her. She said, You know what, Angela? I took my shoes with me. You have no shoes to fill. Love
0: that.
1: And so, you know, for me, it was a, um, I think part of change management mm-hmm. is really listening and be having an inclusive process and really understanding the entire organization. So I went in and I went and worked in all of the kitchens, all of the cafes, spent time with our students, spent time with our training staff, and really talked to people and understood what are the things that are working and what are the things that just need that people have been really hungry for change for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you just kind of pick the low hanging fruit that you can um, make the immediate improvements. um, And then the things that take a little bit longer. Uh, And so it, it, it's not always easy, that that long time transition. And I think because for some people, they're happy with how things have been, right? Mm-hmm. It's working for them. For 17 years, it's worked for them. And we had some folks who've worked at Fair Start for a really long time. But then you've got some other folks who've been waiting for a long time for change. And you can't make everyone happy, but I think making it as an inclusive and having really open communication. And I was um, holding regular all hands meetings. and. Um, you know, getting into departmental staff meetings and just getting to know people was the best way that I could transition in and really um, create that trust uh, uh, in, in, the, with the team. Mm-hmm. And it's not a small team, but, you know, 270
0: people. Wow. Um, yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Which leads into my next Question in my thought of okay, change is already hard for people. They mm-hmm. experienced change when the company was wel- welcomed you in, and now huge change with the impacts of COVID. Mm-hmm. How do you, as a leader, lead people, 270 people, and the community of people that are impacted by Fairstar? How do you, as a leader, lead and well i think that um so
1: you know in in going in in going and coming into the organization and talking to folks you're able to do a little bit of a swot analysis where are we Mm -hmm. right what do we need to? what do we need to tackle first and then how do we strategically map this out and so um one of the first things that i did almost immediately upon coming in and some of the leadership um team had already teed up the work was a really launch into some race equity diversity Um, and inclusion uh, work. And so that was like one of the first things that people were really hungry for. And with this reawakening that's happened in the summer of 2020, um, we have so much more work to do, but I'm grateful that we were already on that path. So that was one anchor that we could put down, right? Like we were anchored in knowing that race equity and inclusion was such an important body of work for our organization. Um, Not only, uh, to make sure that we're taking care of the folks within the organization and helping people grow. Um, but it's, such, it's so important to the community that we serve. Um, you know, people of color are disproportionately impacted by poverty um, and homelessness, and um, so that was one thing. Um, the second thing that I did within about the first six months was look at our strategic plan, uh, which I'm a big fan of making sure that you always have a plan in place. Mm -hmm. and having several scenarios in place of how things might work. And so uh, within six months, uh, we were into a new round of strategic planning. Uh, I had found a new uh, executive coach, and I will say, you know, a great way to anchor yourself as as a leader um, and to make sure that you're sort of, you know, your own Um, leadership moral compass is staying on the right way is to have an executive coach. And I've had multiple over my career. Um, So I think that at times different executive coaches are are better for different um, roles and times in your life. So I was able to engage with a great executive coach that was connected with our strategic planning firm. And one of the first things that we did was um, really solidify the vision um, that I had for the organization. Um, really uh, validate um, and solidify the mission, and then make sure that we were really clear on what our values were and that they hadn't changed over time. So that's work that we did with the entire staff with getting feedback with our with my board of directors, um, with some community members, and really got all of this buy-in so that now as we are in this uh, global pandemic where there is constant change and no one knows what's happening and there's so much uncertainty we at least know that we're grounded in a vision that we know that at the end of the day for us what's so, what's so important is that every individual has the opportunity to thrive in a just and equitable world. You know, we know that our values include, you know, respect and acceptance and openness and growth and you know, we just we live in all of that. And so it makes it a little bit easier to hearken back when things get really hard like they are right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so key. So amazing. Yeah. So to sort of wrap up our conversation today, um, you've, you've already mentioned some like resources and stuff that you tapped into, but if somebody is listening and they're you know also on their growth journey, Mm-hmm. What books, resources, podcasts, any type of information that you were able to tap into on your leadership journey would you share with our listeners um, and recommend that they tap into as well?
1: Yeah, I think that right now where we, uh, the place that we are in this period of time, if if leaders are not on their journey to understanding the importance and need for racial justice and race equity, that's the place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that Ijeoma Ulu, who's a Seattle writer, has um, written a great book called How to Talk, uh, uh, So You're Ready to Talk About Race. Um, Ibram X. Kendi um, has written some um, terrific books. Uh, one is um, a really deep historical um, reference book about, um, called Stamped from the Beginning. Uh, his second book is How to Be an Anti Racist um there's a wonderful podcast um, called 1619 that really walks through and and helps get this whole understanding of systemic racism and then i think that from the leadership perspective um i'm a huge fan of jim collins books um uh, good to great and great by choice um nick Kokonis is actually he's an investor and he's a restaurateur he owns this uh, restaurant called the linea in chicago um, he recently did a podcast with um, Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it was taped at the beginning of the COVID crisis and it talks a lot about how just to navigate this change, but also how he makes decisions. And mm-hmm. I think that at a time when things are so uncertain, being, um, being able to make quick decisions and change your mind and iterate is, and be nimble is really important, so that's a great podcast. And then for, you know, um, maybe the moms out there, I I know that this double life that we sometimes live um, as either, you know, CEOs or founders, businesswomen and mothers is really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a very good friend who um, has a podcast called the Shameless Mom Academy. Her name is Sarah Dean. And there's just a wealth of just various content that I think I like to listen to because it reminds me that you know, the the perfection of being imperfect, right? Yes. Um, And just a a ton of great resources there. So those are some of my my go-tos and some of my recommendations for sure. I love
0: that. Thank you for sharing those. And then to wrap up, what would be your top couple of tips for the women that are listening, your top couple of tips of advice for them on their journey? You've learned so much. If you could sum it up, what would you say? Uh... You know, I think that
1: one of the things that it really takes to be an effective leader that's so basic when it comes down to it is just to be courageous, like Mm -hmm. to be courageous in amplifying other voices, to be courageous in amplifying your own voice, um, to be courageous in making decisions that might not be the right one at the time, and you might have to go back and do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's really something that until you tap into like, that's how you lead. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I often think, um, when I, when I see leaders that need to grow, I'm like, they need to find their courage. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think it's just also like being a, um, kind of a humble leader as well. And understanding that, um, for people to grow there, there's a little bit of cultivation that is really on me. I would rather be a leader than a manager. Um, And so finding that balance between leading and managing and really understanding what your values are and what your morals are and what drives you.
0: Yeah, excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared today. How can we as the community help support the mission of Fair Start right now?
1: Well, I know that, um, you know, these are incredibly difficult economic times and as a nonprofit, um, even in the best of times, we rely on philanthropy to support our work. Mm -hmm. Um, So for those who have the ability to um, contribute to the meals that we're providing, to the um, uh, social services we're providing to our our students and clients, um, that is um, really important. Sharing our work, um, we're on, Fair Start, you can, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram and just sharing, you know, our story and what we're doing, um, and finding ways to give in your own community. So Fair Start, uh, we do a lot of work, um, direct work locally, but we have a national network, uh, called Catalyst Kitchens and we have members in 36 states. So, um, depending on where your listeners are, we may have, you know, a shelter who's working on job training, um, a, um, uh, a food bank that is is doing the same work and seeing how to get involved there. And then the last thing I would say for for listeners who own businesses, think about who you're employing. Mm-hmm. Um, think about who might need another chance or a first chance, um, and 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 take that chance on people um, yeah. because it's it's amazing what happens when. I think even for business
0: owners um, when you start seeing the lives that you change. Yeah, absolutely powerful. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the She Leads Me podcast. If you enjoyed it, would you do us a favor? Would you go on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review? And then also while you're there, go ahead and share the podcast with your fellow female leaders. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and to get the latest information about the She Leads Me community and see what we're up to. We will see you next time.